Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Talk with BCH, empowering your wellness one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Rachel Mann, and today we're thrilled to have Molly Klatt, a registered nurse with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Molly works in our outpatient infusion center and employee health here at Boone County Hospital. Molly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So can you start by telling us about your background in nursing? Well, I first started nursing, graduated in 2009, got my license, and I actually started at a nursing home, working as a nurse there for a couple months. I knew the director of nursing, and she was very desperate for staff. My intentions were always to work in a hospital, so I told her I was looking for hospital work as I was helping her out, essentially. I actually did stay PRN in nursing home setting. I still technically am currently as well with a different nursing home here in Boone, but I've worked in OB, the Family Birth Center here for 12 years prior to moving to the Infusion Center. That's Um, awesome. Okay, it's that time of year again. Everybody's either sick or trying not to get sick. Respiratory bugs are all over. Correct. Can you kind of break it down for us? What's the deal with these illnesses, especially now during these colder winter months? Yes, so you are correct. We are in peak, what they consider respiratory season. So a lot of times it really peaks between the December and February months, these colder winter months. Our body's not able to fight off the viruses because of the cold air. So, you know, as we breathe that in through our nose, the cold air does not allow us to fight that off. So that's why we see more of the prevalence with the respiratory virus this time of the year. We're also indoors more often, allowing the spread if someone is sick and you can be sick prior to even knowing you're sick and you're spreading that. So it's more easily spread person to person because we're indoors. Excellent explanation. So let's dive a bit deeper into the most common respiratory illnesses that people should be aware of during this time of year. Influenza or flu season. Another big thing is the COVID-19. We see the RSV and pneumonia, colds. So it's hard to try to differentiate, you know, what kind of virus do I have or is it turning into something more bacterial infection? Vaccinations obviously Mm -hmm. are a key preventative measure against respiratory illnesses. Could you explain why vaccination is essential in the fight against these diseases? Vaccines help your immune system fight infections faster and more efficiently. They work with your body's natural defenses to develop the immunity within your body. They create what we call memory cells or the T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes. So as your body is reintroduced to the illness after vaccination, your body should be able to remember and say, okay, I needed to work that and fight this off. Almost like if you're practicing to do something. Yes. You do it. Okay. I kind of know what's going on now. Now I'm going to do better next time. Exactly. Okay. There's always talk about vaccine worries. What misconceptions or concerns might people have about getting vaccinated? Sometimes there's that worry that you can get the disease from the vaccination. A lot of times it's your body's response to receiving that vaccine. So sometimes people will say, well, I I got the flu shot and it gave me the flu. It didn't give you the flu. It's your body's way of developing the kind of those memory cells. So you may have a fever. Yes, you may kind of feel crappy or, you know, under the weather for a day or two, but it's your body 
working to try to decrease your chances really being exposed. How can concerns people have with getting vaccines, how could they be addressed? I think uh, it's just the big thing is if you are going to a provider's office, whether it's, you know, your primary care provider, utilizing the walk-in clinic or any provider's office that you go to, asking questions. That way they can share information with you, whether it's their own experiences, vaccine information, giving you reputable sources that you can go to to look for information if you have any questions, concerns, or reservations about receiving a vaccine of any kind. That makes total sense. So can you now talk about the importance of receiving both flu and COVID vaccines? Yes, it is important. You can actually get the flu vaccine and the COVID-19 vaccines at the same time. So they are both inactivated or, you know, kind of killed vaccine. So it's not like you're receiving a live vaccine in either one of those. And they're not in the same vaccine. They would be two separate vaccinations. But you could come and get them the same visit. Yes. So like the flu vaccine, there's usually four different viruses and it's the most common that people have researched and studied to think that will be most prevalent Mm -hmm. in this year's season. So that would be the flu. The COVID-19 is also ever evolving because there's multiple different strands that develop from that as well. It is recommended that you're getting the flu vaccinations yearly Mm -hmm. because of that ever changing with the seasons. And as you've heard a lot within all the news and healthcare information, the COVID boosters are also changing as well. So every year they're different to Mm -hmm. fight new things that are happening with the flu. Correct. So the shot I got last year is different than the shot I got this year. Correct. Yep. Research is always ongoing. They're studying other countries that, you know, are kind of in their peak seasons Mm -hmm. when we're kind of in our summer months. So they're studying what strands, so to speak, are circulating in those countries to be like, we need to create this vaccine for us during peak season. How effective are these vaccines in preventing respiratory illnesses? You can't ever say anything is 100% effective in, you know, decreasing your chances of getting sick. There's always that what if, but ongoing research and different studies. I was reading a recent research article kind of talking about, you know, you have 10 people that are unvaccinated, but you have 500 people that did get vaccinated. More than likely, those 10 people that are unvaccinated are going to get sick. But then it's like one out of 100 also are getting sick that had been vaccinated. So then it almost turns out looking like the same amount of numbers. Like, I got vaccinated, but I got sick, and this person didn't, and they also got sick. So you have to take into all the kind of like the population, you know, the patient's background or their history, their high risk, or they considered what's low risk. Their occupation may come into play with some of that, too. Obviously, so, someone who stays home yes, is yeah, going to yeah, be so you're at not out, risk. Yeah, for, you're not out taking care of sick people right. that are coming to you all time, you know, like in a healthcare setting. So yeah, there's differences in that way too. So you can't ever say anything's ever 100%. It's helping to decrease your chances of getting an illness and getting severe sick with that. Sure. So getting the vaccine, are there side effects that people need to be aware of? Or what kind of side effects could you have from getting these vaccines? A lot of times you'll hear people having side effects from any boosters or, you know, vaccinations of any kind. A lot of times it's more so related to the actual 
injections, so kind of more the arm soreness. Sometimes there can be the redness and swelling. Occasionally people complain of like a slight headache with how it is interacting in their body and developing that Mm -hmm. immunity or the immune response to it. Some people will have fever, you'll have a muscle aches, and sometimes people just are fatigued or, you know, the extreme exhaustion. I'm sure it's so hard because everybody is totally different. I mean, getting COVID vaccine, I had the high fever and stuff, then my husband had nothing. Right. Yeah, because when we were doing, you know, the initial COVID vaccinations came out, sometimes people would want to do it on a Friday because I don't want to miss work the next day because of feeling sick or something like that. Or year to year, do you see differences in flu? Because I feel like some years, oh, Mm -hmm. my muscle hurts. And then other years, nothing. Exactly. I think it's more so just the strains that are specifically for the flu because we know that that changes every year. So sometimes there must be something in the makeup for a certain (laughs) strain that causes it to hurt more than the next season. My only suggestion was, you know, like people that have some of the more of the arm stiffness or things like that, people will be like, well, I want it in my right arm because I use that one more, more. so I move it more. But, you know, also putting ice to the site itself to try to help decrease uh, swelling or the redness or such like that would be the recommendation. So the inflammatory response, which is not always what you're expecting, but that's what can happen. Right. Okay. Before these vaccines get to us, What's the process to make sure they're good to go? So flu vaccination specific, just to think like that's the big one we've been talking about. They have to go through quite the lengthy process. So we have the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration here within the United States. So that is kind of who regulates what vaccines we are going to administer or put out into the United States. With that being said, the World Health Organization, there are over 140 influenza centers in over 110 countries that are studying flu viruses specifically year-round. Collectively together, they try to create this flu shot. Flu vaccine itself, they have to go through the research, the proof of the concept, they're going to do testing, then it has to go out to different manufacturing companies, it has to be approved there, then recommending for use, then there's the monitoring period and the safety after the approval. So there's quite a lengthy process, and that's for every vaccine. Now we have most of these vaccines, respiratory vaccines, are from year to year. So they've already done that big, lengthy research process. New this year would be the RSV vaccines. That's had to have years of research. We know that virus has been around for years. Now seeing it become prevalent in adults and not just in young kids. Like you kind of think that's what RSV, yeah, affects young kids. Yeah, that's what you hear that, please don't hug, kiss my baby, be near them. Yeah, you think of that as an infant. Yeah, within the last couple years though, we're seeing more and more adults being hospitalized with the underlying virus is the RSV. And so they're having to be hospitalized because of the symptoms there. And we have to help with the symptom management of that. They've had to have those years of study for that vaccine. And now here we are this year being able to put out a vaccine for that. That's exciting. Yeah. You said the World Health Organization, you know, kind of has the oversight. Do different parts of the world or even different parts of the countries give you different vaccines based on what's going on? Yeah. So there are different flu vaccination specific. So there's what we call the quadrivalent, which is what is encouraged here in the United States. There are some that are kind of like a try. So they're saying there's three viruses that are the ones that they're thinking are going to be most prevalent in this area of the world. There are different types of flu shots or flu vaccinations. It can be different based off of where you're living or the country you're living in. It's comforting to know that it does have to go through all this testing and they're not just whipping out, okay, here's a, sh-, you know, <laughs> yes, you, yeah. it, I mean, 
Some people, it's a very big deal about what goes in your body. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that that's a rigorous well, kind process. Of, you know, you can sometimes you may hear, and that may be considered a misconception, but like the COVID-19 vaccine itself, like it was developed so quick. And to be fair, they've been studying coronaviruses. So actually okay. COVID-19 is a coronavirus, but yeah. that's coronavirus families have been being studied for years and years. So they were, yeah, even before COVID-19, they were able to take some of that information to tweak it to be for the COVID-19 specific. And even then, it still had to go through FDA regulations here yeah. within the United States. It was probably States. the time you heard the most about the vaccine process mm-hmm. because everybody was just like, when can we get this so we can right. kind of go back to normal yep. life? Yeah, and, and yeah, even then it was still, you know, like we, we have to do the research. We still have to make sure it's safe. And yeah. there's still ongoing studies and research, even for some of those first vaccinations we would have received in 2021 when they came out with okay. COVID-19. What's a good way or why is it so important to have the correct information out for people? It just goes along with a lot of those misconceptions about all the different vaccine informations that are out there. There were studies that maybe were published that said vaccinations caused autism or, you know, were increased among the infant population created SIDS or caused SIDS. But the unfortunate thing there is just the misconception of information or the wrong information. So going out to the different websites or talking with your provider about different places you can go to seek out that information or speaking with your provider to say, hey, I have all these questions or concerns or of why I shouldn't or should get a vaccine. And a lot of times it is patient preference. You know, you maybe are brought up in a different lifestyle and your family is totally against it or for it. It was kind of like, well, I want to do some of my own research and I want to understand all this. And then there's the different reasoning. So you may have, well, I wasn't vaccinated as a kid, but now I want to be because I can make my own decisions. And so it's just kind of different parenting or different lifestyles for everyone that way. What role does accurate information and community outreach play in combating vaccine hesitancy? We utilize the CDC website a lot in Infusion Center, not only for like the employee health side of things too, but making sure we're providing accurate information for patients because we do have quite a fair amount of the elderly population. So they will come in receiving their therapy or treatment with us and then asking questions about like, well, I'm also going to go get my flu shot Mm -hmm. today or my COVID booster. Is that okay with what I'm getting here? Which... Usually the answer is yes, what they're receiving their treatment for. Yes, we're encouraging that vaccine too. So we utilize a lot of the information that's put out from the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, every year. They always have the most current and up-to-date latest research kind of thing to be able to share that information on whatever disease is out or or somebody is concerned or has questions about. So that'd be the place that if people have questions besides asking like your provider or something Mm -hmm. that you could go to find some trustworthy. Yep, I would say the center, uh, the CDC, so Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. There's the AAP, which would be the American Academy of Pediatrics. There are some information that you can utilize would be immunize.org or the vaccineinformation.org is what we would recommend for people to go find the correct information. Which is important because sometimes there's just so much information out there. You want to know where you can go to find the right information. Yes. And asking any of the healthcare providers or 
It doesn't have to be your own PCP, primary care provider. It could be anybody you kind of come into contact with. Sometimes people are willing to share their personal mm-hmm. experience. and like, oh, yeah, I just got my flu vaccine yesterday. My arm hurts today. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still standing here just fine. Letting them know that you also are doing all the things you can to protect your patients. And you're right there with them from year to year. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing the same to better protect everyone. Are there certain people, age groups, or populations who should particularly be vigilant about getting vaccinated? A lot of times you're asked like is there a high-risk population so anybody for flu shot specifically anybody six months and older would be able to get that flu shot the younger kiddos a lot of times it's a two-dose series just to separate it out just to make sure that you're not give it you know like too much at one time okay. so it's a little easier on their body to produce the antibodies in their immune response do infants and adults you said it might split but when they're finished do kids get the same dosage as adults correct okay yeah so the same dosing it actually even when they're six months and maybe doing that two dose series it it ends up being the full dose just in a split kind of setting with the exception we recommend for the flu shot when you're 65 or older considered for a slight dose change it's considered like a high dose flu vaccination and it's just a couple more point mills of the vaccine itself so those older 65 and up is another Mm -hmm. age that yes that would be another category specific for the flu shot now we're talking about the rsv vaccination Mm -hmm. they're saying anybody 60 and older would be the recommendation for you to get that vaccine. Can infants get that one? Well, I will say, I know the recommendation would be for pregnant women. Okay. COVID is recommended when pregnant too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the flu shot, because you know, there's six months in there between an infant being able to get the flu shot. The pregnant woman can then pass along some of those immunities in utero onto the baby. So that way, when the baby is born, they do have some form of immunities. However, definitely during peak respiratory season, you still want to take all those precautions to protect those little kiddos. Do you have any tips for staying healthy during these buggy winter months? Well, I'm a water drinker through and through, so I always tell everyone they're never hydrated enough. So definitely drinking plenty of fluids, water more so specific than anything else. Getting the rest, and it's probably all the things that are preached over and over. Hand hygiene, try to decrease your stress, and then making sure you're getting enough sleep as well. So all those things that you kind of are told to do all year round are all those things that are going to help you even in respiratory season. But if you're sick... You want to stay home. You don't want to go out and spread that around. But again, we talked about in the beginning, kind of when it's cold out, nobody wants to be outside. So everybody stays indoors more. And so just trying to surround yourself with people indoors that are healthy and not (laughs) sick. One person in our family is sick, we're all staying exactly. home. Well, and that's just it too. You could be sick and not know it. You could be contagious a day or two before you actually start exhibiting those symptoms yourself. So then now you're like, oh, I could have exposed so-and-so to whatever virus it may have been. And then you find out they're sick and then this, and that's how it just spreads so fast. All of those things, it's easier said than done, but it's really the best and most effective way from sharing or spreading disease. 
getting yourself vaccinated, especially against these respiratory viruses. Mm -hmm. The respiratory viruses are spread through droplets. So, you know, covering your cough, covering your sneeze, not sharing all your germs with everyone (laughs) and just be informed, asking those questions if you're having concerns or hesitant about receiving a vaccine to help prevent or decrease your chances of getting ill. Is this time of year still a good time to go get vaccinated if you haven't? I know you hear more about it in fall, like before winter happens, Mm -hmm. but by this point, do people go, well, it's January already. We're still within that peak respiratory virus season. So even all the way through February, we consider flu season, however, all the way through May. So it does take a couple weeks to really develop those immunities in your body. So you get it today, you may already be sick and not realize it, Mm -hmm. but it's not that the vaccine's working against you. It's just hope there's other strains that could be out circulating that you don't get sick with hopefully going forward. So it's always a good time to still get vaccinated. For our listeners, where can they go get their vaccines? Where can they go get vaccinated? You can go to your primary health care providers, your pharmacies, public health. I guess if you're more of a homebound, seeing if reaching out with public health and trying to coordinate some home health care to bring you a dose if you're not able to get out. Thank you so much, Molly, for sharing your expertise and insights with us. Thank you so much for having me. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Healthy Talk with BCH. Remember, your health is in your hands and staying informed is the key. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more empowering conversations. Until next time, stay informed, stay healthy, and keep the conversation going with Healthy Talk.